0: Well, it's officially that time of year where the birds are chirping endlessly outside the my birds, window. and i they are singing. I see them being picked up on my audio a little bit. So listeners, if you hear a little bird chirping here and there, that's
1: just me. I record in front of a window. Yeah. I Yesterday, I felt like there were these birds that were just talking all day. And I got to a point where I was like, it's beautiful, but shut up. <laughs> Honestly, they, they
0: really go on like uh, where my office is. There's a bunch of windows and mm-hmm. they're out there like, yeah, th- it's it's that time of year. Yesterday, there was like three playing on some power line outside
1: the window. And I was like, OK, mm-hmm. I get it. But it's like incessant. I know. Trip I know. It just like gets into your ear and you're just like, shut up. There are these three crows the other day. <laughs> oh, no. Or which ones are the smaller ones? Crows, crows. or ravens? OK, there are three crows. And they were just going off and we were watching them and two of them were attacking this squirrel in a tree the squirrel kept getting away but they kept like (laughs) hawking him well crowing him i guess um and then there's another crow that was injured in the street so we don't even know what was what was going on we missed like the injury whatever but they were going and i was like i we don't usually hear crows it's usually like these little like tweety like yeah well if you
0: do want to make friends with crows, you can leave them peanuts. We actually had a whole episode about crows, if you're interested It'd anyone? Interested. Um, but yeah, if you leave them peanuts, then you can become friends with them, and then they will they might bring you any shiny
1: things that they find, you know. That's amazing. Maybe I should. I only have cashews in the house. You think that would work? They would like that, yeah. But that's expensive. Mm. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, I eat Don't them. get them
0: used to that. <laughs> oh, true. i They're I like. see. I see.
1: And they'll yeah. be asking for them. If you're looking for deals on nuts, by the way, mm-hmm. Aldi recommend really okay yeah good we got a, hu- you got a huge tub of cashews for a very
0: good price reasonable price <laughs> well this episode is brought to you by aldi's i
1: wish um and you're listening to two girls one crossword i'm grace Topinka. i'm chelsea rowan this is your favorite quote-unquote weekly podword crosscast <laughs> uh and we are back again for another week in paradise yeah another we've been week some, we've been taking a little bit of time off things have been you know just things have been going on I'm not I was to be in cryptic. But, I was you in know. gay Paris. If anyone's <laughs> wondering. So she yes, was. I was in. It was
0: fun to go to Paris. Like I feel like we've talked so much about Paris on the podcast. Everything mm-hmm. just ends up happening there. So <laughs> I was like thinking about you know all our little different topics and stuff. That's so funny. Um. But yeah. Was it your first time in Paris? None. No. No. Actually, that's not even uh, for French. But no, I went when I was studying abroad because I studied abroad in Spain. Mm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but. Same. It was. Same. A, it was always, I, I, I when say. I studied
1: abroad too. Oh my god, twins!
0: Even though the French are, they're just they're so funny to me. I I don't want, I'm not going to get into it, but She's they not really just, get into it. They make me laugh. And I was so dehydrated while I was there. I'm so happy I'm here with my full 40 ounce <laughs> water bottle filled with ice water. And while I was there, I was getting TikToks of this. is Something that we've talked about on the podcast a lot: mm-hmm. how like Europeans don't drink water, yes. or like water is not readily available. Yeah. And someone was posting about how like, um they ran a marathon in Europe, an American, and they said that their marathon time was like an hour later because there wasn't any water stations. Like, there weren't as many water stations. So they really don't drink them as much water there. I don't know. What I is mean, going I guess they're, just, they're used what to it. I felt on? like the whole time I was there, I could feel
1: my body, like, shriveling up. You're just like, your, your skin is, like, getting drier and drier. Right?
0: Yeah. I'm drinking, like, four, chugging four glasses of water before going out for the day because who knows the next time <laughs> <laughs> Although it is my fault because I love to order a cheeky Coca Cola. You, you know. gotta have a Coca Cola. Like a European
1: Coca Cola at a cafe. I, I cannot recall a memory of a European Coca Cola at a cafe, which is a shame. I'll just mm. say that. It's a shame,
0: which but means the, I have to go to Europe just to right. get my Coke. It's different there. It's in a glass bottle. They put
1: a little lemon. Amazing. Um,
0: but, anyways, enough about me. We're back. Enough. We're back. Better <laughs> than ever.
1: Yes, we are. We're back. Uh, we're happy to be back. And we're going to hop right into our poll, our poll palooza Grace ran a really good a good poll this week. Right. I actually, okay, I ran two polls because I forgot
0: to run the poll for last time. And the second poll, or the, I'll just, the first poll was about Slurpee. So I said, what is your Icely slash Slurpee flavor profile? Mm. And I did dark soda. That's like a Coca-Cola root beer. Lemon lime, wild cherry, or blueberry. And 45% of people, number one answer was
1: dark soda. And we talked about this on our Slurpee episode. I agree. Coke is my favorite. There's um, there's a comment on that poll from a woman I went to high school with, a friend of mine. Uh, and she wrote, boost! Exclamation point. And it brought back a like tsunami of memories for me. I had forgotten about boost. Boost was the slurpy flavor of my high school. Like it's Coke syrup, mm-hmm. but because it doesn't have the um, carbonation, it basically tastes like flat Coke in a way. Okay. But and everybody they had this was 7 Eleven. Yes. I think it was 7 Eleven. I, I never personally drank Boost. So I don't know if it was just like a 7 Eleven flavor or if it was like there was a specific place people got it, but everybody. Like, a local convenience store, like, family-run convenience store. But everybody was drinking Boost. Everybody was drinking Boost. After high school, people were like, oh, let's get a Boost. Let's get a Boost. Let's get a Boost. And I didn't like Slurpees at the time. I'm still not, like, a Slurpee girl. So I would always be like, I'd rather just get a Pepsi or something. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but, yeah. Let me know if anybody else had Boost in their, like, I don't know, town or whatever. If it was just a Jersey thing, South Jersey thing, but yeah. sounds like a Jersey thing. A Jersey Someone thing. else commented and said, "When I was younger, we would mix all
0: the flavors available into one cup, and for some unknown reason, call it a suicide." <laughs> that oh. is what we, it's. That's called the swamp water, or whatever uh. is what. Uh, or like, oh, I forget what it was called. Maybe it was yeah, Slurpee Swamp Swamp Water. That's the like people who are into Slurpees oh. call it that when you mix them all. But when I was in the Denmark i had a layover in copenhagen and there was a 7-eleven there because you know there's 7-elevens like all over europe Everywhere, and they did yeah. have Icy's, but they weren't called slurpees what Obviously, were they called they were called something you know oh. some danish name but interesting did the you get tagline one? no i didn't the tagline said oh thank heavens
1: <laughs> well, i don't know if it's, it's like it's 7-eleven old 7-eleven uh tagline right like an old one there's like a 7-Eleven near me that has not changed their branding or marketing for it seems like at least 20 years. And they uh-huh. have the, oh, thank heavens slogan with like the <laughs> the food pictures from the 90s. It's wild.
0: I love that. Okay. Well, that explains it. Um, but yeah, they weren't call- I thought that Slurpees were only in North America, but that's not true. They have them at the
1: Copenhagen airport. At, at least. the very least in Copenhagen at the airport. So if you're trying to get your Slurpee fix while living in Copenhagen, you got to go through the TSA, mm-hmm. their version
0: of TSA. Right, um, and then I also asked where would we find you at the casino. I swear to you, I posted this poll like two days ago, and then I went to check yesterday, and it wasn't there. So I reposted it again. But options were card table, slots, roulette, or craps, crap, Ooh. whatever you call it. Um, and eighty three percent of the vote voted for the card table, which is crazy, because that's like that is crazy. I don't know. You gotta have money to do that. that. Yeah. Because like also yeah. it's like. It's different
1: you're like talking to real people, Matt and I did the card table once just to have the experience, and this is when I went to Atlantic City on spring break in college just like a mm-hmm. senior in college, maybe um or junior. I can't even remember I think it was senior year though. we sat for two hands. Matt doubled his money, and mind you, it was like a ten dollar buy-in or something, so he like made he like was at twenty dollars net ten or something mm-hmm. and he was like okay i'm it i'm done and the table was like what and we're like bye and then we went and cashed out and the people at the window laughed at us and it's like do you realize that i'm only just like 22 he's 23 like if you like we were we were digging deep in our pockets for the money to even buy into this table let alone like stay for multiple hands it's crazy i
0: feel like the only, I don't even really know how to play any of those card games either. Like, I think I kind of know how to play
1: Blackjack. Is that what you played or were you playing like? I think it was Blackjack, yeah. Yeah. Or was it Texas Hold'em? I can't remember. It was one of those, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's too stressful
0: for me. Um, well, second place and the only other one people voted for was slots, And that's probably what I would do, I think. Because it's truly random.
1: Yeah, it's, and you can just sit in your cute little outfit, drink your Coca-Cola. And, and press the button. press buttons. And, you know, that's it. That's all you need. Although
0: I tried to play slots, at, I had a layover in Vegas, so I didn't actually go. But the airport has slot machines, mm-hmm. and so I was like, "Well, let me just like." I lost like all my money. I put like ten bucks in, but mm. uh, for like the dollar slots, I have no idea what I'm doing. Is the thing because like yeah. all this stuff is happening on the screen, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. So I need to when we before we go to Vegas, I have to read up on how to even. Oh, play we'll read. We'll read up, and yeah,
1: it's when I was at the like casino one of the things that i really wanted to do was smoke a cigarette i mm-hmm. have literally it that sounds disgusting to me but just the vibe of like sitting there with a drink and like smoking or something i'm like that's kind of like the vibe but i'm like obviously i don't smoke but i don't plan to but you could get like those gum cigarettes oh good idea <laughs> people would look at us like what is wrong with these two <laughs> like we just want the vibe just we we're just here the for vibes yeah. Also, outside of Las Vegas, we should go to the ones in Indiana. We always talked about the it. The horseshoe. Like, like a, exactly. I swear our
0: friend Mike went. He went. You we were like his friends, but he didn't go to the horseshoe one. Didn't he, he go to the boat one? Yeah, he went on a boat. We
1: but have like to do the think, boat
0: one. Yeah, and get really dressed up. But I don't want to stay at the hotel there. I don't know.
1: That that The problem is well, I don't want to drive in without staying and i don't want to take the bus with all random old people from chicago
0: but we could do we could do the bus because i feel like it's not that long of a drive Mm -hmm. to the horseshoe casino at least
1: that's true that's true all right all right we'll talk off camera but just so you know (laughs) folks things any listeners want to meet us in gary (laughs) or wherever it is hilarious so we're going to move into our hits and shits now everybody Right, I don't have very many, because like I said, I was in Paris, so I only I, a couple. I also only have a few. Um, while Grace was in Paris, I wasn't, but my life was still busy. <laughs> it's, it's still busy. You know, it's that time of you year. the birds still are chirping. Be, yeah. I'm out chirping. What do you want me to do? You
0: can be busy in the United States, you know. It's true. It's true. Even though French people never admit it. We
1: have <laughs> things to do here, too. <laughs> um, Amazing. Uh, I'm going to start us off with the Tuesday, May 9th. This is like an older puzzle somehow. I was still doing this one. Um, 16 across. Oh, this is... Let me just tell you more about this puzzle. It's the Tuesday, May 9th, New Yorker by Eric Agard. Okay. Okay. 16 across. Can you point me in the right direction? Question mark. And the answer was, I need a hint, which made me think of... Escape rooms. Escape rooms. um, And asking for hints from the game master and the last one we did i definitely feel like something was broken because something was broken there because
0: looking back his hint made no sense i know you've ever done escape room we basically were trying to figure out this one puzzle we i got like what it was trying to say but nothing was working we asked for a hint and the guy just like i forget what he he had to say something totally random and then just gave us like the number lock
1: didn't make any sense something was broken there exactly he's like well you have to tell me and it's like well you, you never what? said like, anything that we would have there at the moment where we have to tell you anything. Like Right. It was it was a little weird, but sometimes you need to ask for a hint because you know sometimes something in the escape room is broken, maybe the game master doesn't know, or maybe you're just not smart enough to figure out the <laughs> the puzzle, but it happens. It happens mm-hmm. to the best of us. Anyway, also 44 across, mental picture and the answer was image and i've been seeing these tiktoks recently so this is not at all like i didn't research this i'm just you know pontificating on something i saw on the internet but people there are people that when you tell them to like think of something Mm. they cannot visualize it in their mind can you visualize like if i were to say like think of an apple do you see an apple i think so i don't know
0: this has been (laughs) that has been going around i feel like on tumblr forever people are like i have Anaphasia or whatever that's not what it's called but something like that yeah it's like i don't know i think i can picture an apple like i can imagine one but it's not like i like close my eyes and there's like a projector on my eyelids
1: right exactly like what does it mean when someone says i can't picture it's like yeah you cannot literally like it's not like an apple is floating in a black space and you can like rotate it i mean if you imagine yourself Looking at an apple in a black space and rotating it, yes, then you can see that, but it's not like, yeah, like you said, it's not like a projector image or like flashcards or whatever. Right. So, anyway, I don't know, but just thought, I, thought I'd bring it up. Um, this was funny. 49 across. What might result in standing water? Question mark. Bottle flip. Boom. Nice. And then 12 down. Cold mug full. Question mark. Death stare.
0: Ooh. I was like, what's a cold drink you have in a mug? Yeah, that's exactly. amazing.
1: Yeah, very good. Um, that's what I have from that puzzle. Well, I did the May
0: 18th New Yorker by Robin Weintraub. Um, <laughs> the opener, I didn't... It, it was one across title for film dums. Euphige, Euphigenia Doubtfire. And it's Mrs. Doubtfire. I didn't realize that was, like, her first name or oh, <laughs> the first yeah. name that he chose for her in the movie.
1: <laughs> I didn't know that either. That's funny. Um,
0: 36 across. Candy maker whose factory might alarm an OSHA inspector. Wonka. Wonka, of course. Um. Eight down. Word with scary, sporty, ginger, baby, and posh. And the answer is spice. Of course. Nine down. Behave like a hot dog? Question mark. In the Pant? Pant, yeah. Nice. Um, 27 down. Rude expression that's not rude when it appears on a cake in Alice and Alice's Adventures in Wonderland.
1: Eat, Eat me. me? Well, it's only rude to some people, depending on the situation. <laughs> true. That's very true.
0: I just watched, Alex just made me watch the uh, 1997 or whatever, Alice in Wonderland with like Gene Wilder and Martin Short. It was very trippy. I've nope. never seen that one. Or not Oprah. Um, Whoopi Goldberg's in it.
1: Yeah. Oh. It's, it's crazy. I didn't even know there was one with Whoopi Goldberg. That's hilarious. She's the Cheshire Cat. I love that for her. Mm-hmm. Well, right. it was very weird. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like the 1990 or whatever the whenever the animated one come, came out. Was that the 50s or something? 60s? Yeah. And then a new one came out like
0: semi-recently-ish. Right. And Johnny Depp was in it. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. Oh wait. Sorry, random fact about John Depp. He's in like when I was in Paris, he there were all these movie posters for a movie that he's in. He's in a French movie and he's
1: speaking French in it. Oh yeah, he's playing one of the Louis the Whatevers. Louis the Whatevers, yeah. Also, you were in Paris when Jenny from Blackpink and V from BTS were spotted holding hands, the two biggest pop stars in the world in Paris they were in Paris did you not see them walking I along the Seine? I didn't see sand? them no I didn't see them oh my god anyway n- newsflash they're dating everyone's shook it's fine um so you you had an eventful Paris trip well things were happening in Paris because Cannes is happening too that's not in Paris but there's just like a lot of celebs in France right now right I didn't see a single one not I didn't even any- know about that maybe that's why our tickets were so expensive <laughs> whoops um okay so i did the sunday may 15th new york times by sid sivakumar uh i want to talk about the theme specifically this theme was bonkers and i had to read uh the rex parker blog to make sure that i fully understood what was happening so when you open the puzzle you see that there's these little uh yellow markers within the grid and you look at them closely and they look like merger signs like that you would see on the highway. Mm -hmm. Um, And the puzzle is called alternate endings. Essentially, the puzzle is like doing a visual representation of zipper merges. The revealer is 114 across with 116 across procedures in which drivers take turns joining a single stream as demonstrated five times in this puzzle. So there's going to be five zipper merges in this puzzle Mm. i'm just going to read you two examples of the clues so essentially there'll be two clues two down clues that they won't be finished like the answers won't be finished Uh, and then the missing endings from those answers zipper into a third down clue Mm. to create a totally new word okay okay so here we go 15 down meat and vegetables dish With Creole and Cajun varieties. And the answer is jambalaya, but it's only jamba was filled Mm -hmm. in. And so you're missing L-A-Y-A. And then one down. Person with a stopwatch. The answer is Timekeeper, but the what was filled in was T-I-M-E-K-E. So you're missing E-P-E-R. So if you were to zipper Leia and Eper together, you would get the answer to 47 down. Many a presidential election occurs in one and the answer is leap year so if you zipper laia and eeper together you get leap year wow wow right also interesting fact very true and something i never realized even though it seems so obvious right yeah another one 14 down chinese new year uh decoration when i filled this in i filled it in i knew it was red because it started with r but i was like there's not enough space I like, put in, like Red Lantern or anything like that. Mm-hmm. The answer was Red Lantern, but it was R E D L A N. So you're missing mm-hmm. t- turn, the turn. And then 21 down, uh, electrical wiring nexus. And the answer was switchbox, but all that was filled in was S W I T C. So you take the missing endings and they zipper into the answer for 53 down, where hip hop originated, and you get the Bronx. So that's crazy. Wild. And impressive and right. very fun to solve. So thank you, Sid. Yeah, Appreciate how would you that. even
0: like go around doing that? You come up with the third clue first, like the Bronx and then unzipper exactly. the words. Exactly.
1: Who's to say? Wow. That's all I have from that Some puzzle. People... There is more, but like that puzzle, the, the theme was the star there. Yeah, that's cool. What else do you got?
0: I did the Wednesday, May 17th New Yorker by Will Nediger. 19 across, friends who are in close contact, question mark. And the answer was cuddle buddies. Cume. Right. 41 across, hairstyle that might be deliberately messy. The answer was bun. I feel like a messy bun, it's like when you try to do a messy bun, it's horrible. But yet when you just throw your hair up and you're doing something and And then you're like, wow, my bun looks amazing. Exactly. Um, 49 across, extremely famous person is household name. Mm. Three down, firm counter offer question mark, and the answer was hard salami. <laughs> <laughs> um, 31 down when you're in the majority and the answer was adulthood. I'm guessing like the majority of your life you're in adulthood, maybe? Or I don't know. Early, yeah. I later think so. in your life. Anyways. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um yeah. I liked that one. Thanks. Very Will. good. I also did uh, a New Yorker. I did the Monday, May fifteenth, New Yorker by Cameron Austin Collins. There are some really good ones in this one. Thirteen across, quickie on vacation? Question mark. Answer was beach read. Nice. Take that to the nude beach if you mm-hmm. are interested in that. I did a topic on nude beaches most recently, I think. Uh, Sixteen across, startup hurdle perhaps. Funding. Car trouble. Nice. Pretty good, right? Um I was gonna do this as my topic, but I ended up not. Twenty-three across, where lifelines come in handy, question mark. Uh who wants to be a millionaire? Palms. Oh. Your lifelines, your heart lines. Ooh. I was gonna do was palm funny. reading, but then there's yeah, something else from this puzzle that I ended up doing, so we'll get to that. Um twenty-eight across, bit of makeup question mark. DNA. Lies oh wow, i'm like zero for zero here <laughs> that's okay uh 56 across you might get this one mcdonald's offering served fried until 1992 i just thought this was an interesting fact i don't know apple pies and the reason i know that they used to fry the apple pies. yes oh the reason i know this is the mcdonald's apple pie was like my grandfather's favorite but he stopped really going to mcdonald's like, when I, he would always say, like, oh, I used to eat the McDonald's ones, I, and now I know why he liked them fried, and mm-hmm. we, instead he would go and get the ones from Wawa, and he would mm. eat those little, like, you know, apple pies. Anyway. Do they fry them at Wawa? They don't, but I think he must have just cut his losses. Instead of going to two places, Wawa for the coffee, McDonald's for the fried pie. Right, it's like, if he's not getting the fried pie, then he could just get... Exactly right. Pieces of my
0: childhood are coming together thanks to this clue. <laughs> <laughs> Questions have been answered. They have. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, that's basically all I have. So,
1: oh, that's fine. I'll f- I'll end with the Sunday May fourteenth Washington Post by Evan Bernholz. Again, really good theme. Um, the theme. The title of the puzzle was change of direction. So this is kind of another interesting, like playing with down answers type puzzle, not like Sid Sivakumar's, but sort of similar. Um, The revealer was 24 across, make money and an alternate title for this puzzle. Um, And the answer was turn a profit. And then another revealer, 123 across money up front and an alternate, an an alternate title for this puzzle down payment. So I'll just read a couple uh, clues and answers. Essentially, there will be these answers, these down answers that they don't finish in just the slot for the down answers. They turn mm. and eventually go down a couple squares over. For example, 20 and the the down element of the answer, the turning down element of the answer is a type of currency. So okay. just layers and layers here. 27 across. One concerned with possessions And the full answer is materialist. And in the word materialist is the real, R-I-A-L, which is the currency of Iran. But the way that the clue is filled in for 27 down, all that was there was matter, Mm M-A-T-E-R. But then the clue kind of turns into the across and you get the real and then it kind of turns down into another clue. So then 47 across, have strong feelings about? And the answer was care a lot, but this kind of word twists throughout the puzzle. uh, And the real, the R-E-A-L is the currency Mm -hmm. of Brazil. Mm -hmm. And then 20 or 75 across, bibimbap or pilaf, for example. And the answer was rice dish. And it is the SETI, C-E-D-I, is the currency of Ghana. And this kind of, like, twists and turns throughout the puzzle. Like, it turns down. You'd have to see it to believe it. I'll tell you that. Um, Also, throwback, 32 across, nickname of a former Microsoft Office assistant that resembled an office fastener. Do you remember his name? Clippy? Clippy, yes, 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 yes. Throwback. I miss him. I miss him, too. And then I'll end with 71 across, non-hardcore gamers derisively. Noobs. Casuals, which is yeah. truly one of my favorite insults ever. <laughs> I love well, it. I guess I'm a casual because I didn't know that. <laughs> and I am. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> She's okay with that. It's okay to have a casual thing in your life. Not mm-hmm. everything has to be intense. But that's all I have. Well, shall we flip the coin? I think we should flip the coin. Um, give me one second here. I usually have the coin coin pulled up because it's a digital coin. All right, here we go. I'm flipping. She claims that she flips a coin every time. (laughs) There's no way for me to to prove that. There's no way to prove. She used to be able to prove it when we sat in the same room and recorded together, but. Right. It's been a long time. It's been many, many years. Okay, I'm flipping the coin now. Heads. Mm. Well, interesting interesting it's crazy very convenient for you <laughs> okay so my topic comes from the monday may 15th new yorker by cameron austin collins 36 down mesh it's an abbreviation of measurement whose correlation with health is often misunderstood BMI. three letters yes bmi we're talking about the bmi or body mm. math index today um oh this is a, this is a big topic there is a lot I- about this topic, and there are a lot of adjacent things like that this topic is going to reference that I can't go into. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we're going to just do like a general overview like we always do. So, you right. know, if you have curiosity, hopefully this sparks some curiosity and you can continue doing your research in your own time, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. So do you know much about BMI? Isn't it just calculated based on like your height and weight? That's right. Yeah. And there's like an actual formula, but it's a very simple formula, quote unquote simple, Mm -hmm. um, which is part of the reason why it's so pervasive. But we'll get to that. Anyway, so I'm going to start us off easy. I'm going to do a basic definition. I'm just going to read directly from what I pulled from Wikipedia here, just so you know, because I just want to get a setup so people who don't know what BMI is, Or maybe you have a certain understanding of what BMI is. We're just going to kind of start us off easy. So BMI, or body mass index, is a value derived from the mass, so weight, and the height of a person. The BMI is defined as the body mass divided by the square of the body height. Okay. Okay. BMI is often, like, displayed through a table or a chart. Like, you might have been in your doctor's office and seen, like, a BMI table or chart that has, like, lines or, like, contour lines and gradients of color. Mm -hmm. Um, And these lines and gradients of color show different BMI categories. Okay, we're still with Wikipedia. Quote, the BMI is a convenient rule of thumb used to broadly categorize a person as underweight, normal weight, overweight or obese based on tissue muscle or tissue mass so muscle fat and bones and your height Mm -hmm. okay so that's like generally what bmi is now that we sort of kind of understand what bmi is let's 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 kind of like go through the history it's what we do in this podcast Uh, i got my information from truly so many sources so if you're curious to know exactly which sources write to me but the main ones uh i got Information from, quote, Adolphe Quittelet and the Evolution of Body Mass Index by Sylvia uh, Carousel, MD, on Psychology Today. Uh, Also, uh, Is BMI a Scam by Alice Callahan on New York Times. And also, The Bizarre and Racist History of the BMI from Elemental on Medium. And many, many more. Okay, let's just get started. Dive in. We're heading back 200 years. We're going to be hanging out with a guy named Adolphe Quitelet. He's a Belgium academic, and his studies included astronomy, mathematics, statistics, and sociology. Notice how he doesn't have, like, you know, medical interests or, med- like, a medical background. So Right. So he established – I'm just going to go through some of his achievements and why he was important at during the time. He established the Brussels Observatory. He was its director for 50 years. He established the first international conference of statistics, and some considered him to be the founder of statistics as a scientific discipline. Cool. Um, he was, like, obsessed with statistical data um, mm-hmm. and collected data on rates of crime with an interest in what he called moral anatomy – and that is as sketchy as it sounds, Mm -hmm. Um, marriage, mental illness, and mortality, including suicides. Uh, He believed that uh, conclusions came from data of large numbers, so populations, rather than from a study of individual peculiarities. So, like, he was interested in studying huge, you know, groups of populations rather than individually studying, you know, one person at a time. He is credited with co-founding, or at least, at the very least, inspiring the founding of the School of Positivist Criminology, which influenced criminologists and eugenists like Cesare, Cesare Lombroso. Hmm. So some sketchy things are happening here. Right. I can't really go into the posi- Positivist Criminology School, <laughs> but I will give you a very, you know, quick rundown. It has been used for centuries and has recently come under fire by researchers activists and many other people they accuse positivist criminology of being inherently racist and based on pseudoscience like phrenology if you don't know what phrenology is it's like the study essentially it's one of the studies of anatomy how you can like look at somebody's anatomy to just discover whether or not they're like a criminal for Mm -hmm. among other things Mm -hmm. okay Um, Other criticisms uh, are that the positivist school would inappropriately use valid scientific ideas to further its racist ideology. Uh, Cesare Lombroso, for instance, believed that this is one of the people that was influenced by Quetelet. Uh, He believed that people of color were a separate species, arguing in his writing, Homo criminalis, that people of color were, quote, savages by birth and were easily identified by physical characteristics that he claimed linked them to primates. Mm. Uh, And then from the Medium article, quote, for Lombroso, people of color were some kind of subspecies congenitally driven to commit crimes, end quote. Okay. 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 So that's just to kind of give you an idea of, like, how Quetelet's research mm-hmm. would end up being used. Hmm. He also founded – this Quetelet person founded, founded the idea of anthropometry, the scientific study of the measurement and proportions of the human body, Which sounds which sounds like it could be sort of harmless because there are, like, biological differences depending on various things – Um, except it often falls into the same bucket of pseudoscience and social categorization with the likes of phrenology and other racist ideologies. So Mm. this guy does not have like a clean past, right? He's everything about him is kind of shady. Mm -hmm. And I've already made note of this, but I'll say it again, um, that while Quetelet had his PhD in mathematics, he was not a physician and he did not study medicine.
0: Nevertheless. I mean, it feels like he has nothing in based in science. He's basically just like coming up with research to, prove that he's racist
1: exactly and like something we'll talk about but i'll just say it here is when he invented what eventually became renamed as the bmi it was not to be he wasn't using it for medical things Mm -hmm. he was using it to back his sociological writings he's interested in sociology Which, you know, racist sociology aside, he wasn't trying to use it for another problematic thing like body shaming. You know what I mean? He wasn't trying to do that. But that's what it is used for now. Whatever. Okay. So, let's see. Let's see. Yes, he um, was not a physician. But he was interested in the measurements of the human body. We already talked a little bit about his, what is it called? Anthropometry. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, he became obsessed with this concept of le homme moyenne or the average man Uh, and for Quetelet le homme moyenne was the ideal this wasn't like average like not good average like what is the most mean version of the the human the medium right right? like that is the perfect version of the Mm -hmm. human so from one of his writings quote If the average man were completely determined, we might consider him as the type of perfection, and everything differing from his proportion or condition would constitute deformity or disease or monstrosity. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So in his search of the average man, he gathered information on the height and weight of different populations. Uh, He had no interest in the study of obesity, but his studies eventually went on to form... A lot of that. So he named... He created an index, and he named it the Quet- the Quetile Index. It would eventually be named, renamed BMI. Essentially, he studied a bunch of different populations. They were all white populations. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, and he put them into this index, which we now know as the BMI. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't changed since he invented it in, like, the 1800s. Oh, my God. Okay. So let's fast forward to... Um, In the years after his index was invented, researchers struggled with creating a standardization that measured body weight and categorized, quote, overweightness and, quote, obesity, as well as associated medical implications of these categorizations. In the beginning of the 20th century, because remember, his index was not used for that yet. Like, people weren't using it for that. So scientists were struggling to find a way to categorize the human body and how to say across all the different biological differences that all of – us have, how can we determine whether or not, how can we easily determine whether or not someone is obese or -hmm. underweight or any of these things? They struggled with this. So in the beginning of the 20th century, insurance companies were like, wait, we got to figure this out um, because they began associating excessive weight with decreased life expectancy. And they weren't doing this from, they weren't interested in this from like a medical standpoint of like helping the mortality rate. But from a we're losing money standpoint. So, what can we do to like save ourselves and like not lose money on this? So they pulled a bunch of different associations from data compiled on customers who had purchased life insurance policies during a particular time period. However, there was no attempt at standardization. So some of these people in the samples were report were reporting their own height and weight, often inaccurately. And those who actually measured wore their own clothing, shoes. They were done in environments that like there could be like there was no control. This wasn't like an actual scientific study. There's just like right. random data collection. And so they would use this information to, you know, deny people uh, life insurance and so on and so forth. Um, in the early 1940s, the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company developed tables of desirable weight that did not include a person's age and introduced an initially arbitrary and subject- subjective measure of body frame. So small, medium and large. Uh, They revised their tables over the years, though some people may remember that they were very popular benchmarks during the 50s and 60s. So if you're a listener and you were around in the 50s and 60s, do you remember the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company's metrics for desirable weight? Let me know. I'm curious. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then not only were life insurance companies using this, but they were getting pitched to physicians and physicians started using them in their medical practices as well. Presumably, during all of these years, the Quitelay Index was lost to history. So how did we get the BMI? There's a lot that goes on, but eventually we land in 1972, when researcher Ansel Keys popularized the use of Quetelay's original index. Uh, Keys claimed that it was superior to other indexes uh, after they compared the index with measurements of fat-by-skin uh, calipers. So, like, they... It was not just by measuring your height and your weight, but they were also taking the denseness of your skin if it was pinched by skin calipers, Mm -hmm. um, which is bananas to me, and then underwater weighing so your body density in an analysis of over 7,400 healthy men in five countries. Ironically, in this paper, Keyes and his colleagues note that Quetelet's Uh, never actually advocated for his ratios to be used as a kind of general measure of body fat. Additionally, a paper published by the British Journal of Preventative and Social Medicines in 1962 says that there is no formula that related weight to height uh, that could do it uh, accurately, and it couldn't actually measure fat. So Mm. people knew that these were not accurate indicators of fatness, quote-unquote, and health. In individual patients. But they were like, it kind of still works anyway, so let's just use it. Nevertheless, since the release of Key's paper, body mass index became the standard indicator for obesity. Currently, people with BMIs of 30 or higher are considered obese, and those with 25 to 29 are considered overweight. 18.5 supposedly means you're underweight, and between 18.5 and 24.9 is considered normal but bmi is a mere estimation of the amount of fat tissue that any given person has it does not differentiate fat from muscle and can be uh, inaccurate in certain populations such as athletes or those who are very tall or very short
0: right it doesn't make any sense i mean like you can see people who their bodies look completely different but maybe they are the same height and weigh the same thing it's like you can't tell
1: anything from that exactly um and a huge reason for the popularity um of the BMI is mainly because it's convenient. So right. a physician who has a BMI, BMI chart in his office requires no more than a balanced scale for weight and a tape measure for height. There's even a means of converting the ratio to pounds and inches uh, by multiplying the system by 703. So like it's an easy, you know, mathematical, you know, formula. You can have it right in your office and you can just point to it. And you can be like, you're overweight, lose weight. It's, mm-hmm quote-unquote simple it's convenient and of course we have to go back to the uh insurance companies american insurance companies began adopting the adopting the bmi model as a way to determine coverage for policyholders um yeah and as a result the concept of weight uh, as an indicator of health began to take root and that sentiment weight as an indicator of health Mm -hmm. there's so much Mm -hmm. in there um and the history of that sentiment is not only like Complicated, just from like a sense of like we don't want to be body shaming people, we don't want to be like ruining people's mental health. But there's like a racist history there. There's many books you can read on like the idea of obesity relating back to racist ideologies from like the 1700s. Um, if you're curious, just write to us. We can, I can send you a couple of these books, but we can't really talk about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This wasn't the only thing that was kind of like taking the BMI was not the only thing that was like making it seem like fatness equals unhealthy. There was a lot at play here. Mm-hmm. So if we are to trust in the BMI concept of weight as an indicator health, former NFL running back Marshawn Lynch would be considered obese and Muhammad Ali would be considered overweight. Mm. That's crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Um, According to dietitian, Tim Crow quote, at an individual level, BMI really falls down. It only gives you a very rough measure of what someone's health could be like based on this number end quote. According to Dr. Yanni Friedhoff, an associate professor of family medicine at the University of Ottawa, BMI is, quote, fairly useless when looking at the individual. BMI can't tell, for instance, what percentage of a person's weight is from their fat, muscle, or bone. Their measure also does a poor job of predicting a person's metabolic health. In a 2016 study, more than 40,000 adults in the United States, researchers compared people's BMIs with more specific measurements of their health, like their insulin resistance, markers of inflammation and blood pressure, triglyceride, cholesterol, and glucose levels. Nearly half of those classified as overweight and about a quarter of those classified as obese were metabolically healthy by these measures. On the other hand, 31% of those with a normal body mass index were metabolically unhealthy. A. Janet Tamayama, the lead author of the study and an associate professor of health psychology at the University of California, L.A., says, quote, BMI can label a huge swath of our population as somehow, uh, I can't say this word, aberrant because of their weight, even if they're perfectly healthy, end quote. Additionally, additionally, a large flaw of BMI is its inability to account for the natural differences in body types between people of various ethnicities, genders, and ages. When the test was originally devised in the 1800s, it was developed and validated uh, mostly in white men, so French people, Scottish people, and a few others. But body composition and its relationship with health can vary depending on your gender, race, and ethnicity. For instance, women and people of color are largely not represented in many of these data— And nevertheless, they're being used to create a universal standard. According to dietitian Fiona Weiler, quote, the BMI takes someone who felt like their health was fine, the lived experience of their body as non-problematic, except for maybe other people's attitudes. They walk, talk, swim, whatever they want to do. And it tells that person, no, you will never have health while you are like, while while you are way you are. (laughs) I copy this directly from the article, and I must have misspelled something somewhere. Continuing with the quote, if we can stop labeling people as unhealthy immediately on the basis of their BMI, that would do a lot for helping those people to improve their well-being. A BMI label, beyond what is considered healthy, will lead to feelings of shame, which may result in worse health outcomes if they avoid seeking treatment in the future. Alternatively, an over-reliance on the BMI as a diagnosis by health professionals can mean other issues go untreated. Chloe Pappas, who is a campaigner and an organizer at like a thrift store essentially for plus size clothing in Melbourne, Australia says, quote, I've lost count of the number of times I've gone to an appointment with a really simple issue like a virus and come away feeling pretty ashamed or frustrated because the doctor chose to only focus on my BMI or weight, end quote. She says this has resulted in her skipping doctor's appointments in the past to avoid the conversation. And I'm going to end on another quote from Chloe. Quote, For me and for many other people in bigger bodies, the BMI can feel almost like a weapon in a doctor's office or, a medical, or medical settings. The obsession with BMI makes you feel like you aren't worthy of care. We should move towards a space where all bodies get equal access to health care that doesn't focus on weight or size. End quote.
0: Right. That's like a huge issue that I read about a lot is that people you know if you are considered overweight by the BMI and you go to the doctor it's like they that's all they focus on oftentimes people are like my doctor missed like that I had you know this because all that they could focus on was that I needed to lose weight but I had other medical issues that had nothing to do with my weight but it's shocking to me to like to hear how BMI started that it really has like it's not even real research i mean the control there's no control group and it's just based on white men in france like how is but and yet it's like used so widely exactly in a medical setting like it but it's like a completely arbitrary study i mean what they just had people submit their height and weight they didn't even like do a controlled study like bringing people in
1: right and themselves and there's no research to say that like having well, the research is, this 2016 research that came out, that the BMI, where you fall on the BMI, really has no correlation, or the correlation, like, doctors believed that the correlation was much higher, but it, or maybe it's much lower now, but, like, there's no correlation between health and body mass and height. Right. That's, right. that's the kicker. Like, somebody can be overweight... To the BMI and be healthy. Somebody mm-hmm. we c- can be normal on the BMI and be unhealthy. That's why we can't use the BMI as the standard. Like, right. I know there's so, like this obsession with being healthy when it's really just people just want to be skinny
0: because, like, yes. society, you know, tells you that you need to be skinny and treats you better. But it's also like this obsession with being healthy. Some people just aren't healthy and it's nothing that they can. Like, exactly. I feel like we, we assign like a moral goodness to being healthy and it's like, not everyone can be healthy. Sometimes you just like have a disease, and there's nothing that you can
1: do about it. Not, Sometime, like, exactly. It's just Sometimes, exactly. Sometimes you have whatever. A, you know, like um, a chronic illness, like a disability. Right. Like there is nothing inherently immoral about those things, but in the medical profession, BMI is like one small, small segment of like medical discrimination. But mm-hmm. like this yeah like you said this moral lens that we put on these things can be really detrimental to people yeah like how do we view people with chronic illness are they morally wrong did they cause right. their chronic illness because that's well the thing. If people they're say skinny... you cause that you're you're it's your fault that you're fat and it's your fault that you're sick because you're fat every reason yeah. why that you come to the office for your virus for this that the other thing it's all because you're fat and it's like right. but it's hmm. like but if you
0: have like lupus like
1: you know that, right. i don't know it's just so it's <laughs> i know This and this just know. scratches the surface there's so much <laughs> right, more here
0: right. um, there's like a whole
1: podcast dedicated just to this yes
0: like obsession that we have with being quote-unquote healthy when it's not really right.
1: anything to do with being healthy yeah and because in the in it healthy in these instances equals skinny right that's what They're using healthy to mean they're not using healthy to mean like physically well. They're Mm -hmm. using it to mean skinny. And even if you aren't physically well, like there isn't anything wrong with that
0: morally, right? Exactly. It's like yeah. So what if you are unhealthy? Like that's okay. You deserve to get access to the resources that you need. That's and treated like a a a human. Right. It's I mean, and like stories about people who lose a lot of weight because they have like cancer or some other you know actual unhealthy like medically unhealthy thing and they get like mm-hmm. praised for it it's like right. that's so messed up i know
1: oh uh, well that's, not to get you fired yeah. up on a on a friday morning but right. yes that's uh, you i mean can, as you can imagine like, like this topic was difficult to research because i was like oh there's gonna be so much written on this it'll be easy well there is so much written on it there's too much written on it yeah to the point to where like condense. i had to really boil it down <laughs> um but yeah if you're interested right. in learning more just just let me know i got i got sources i got sources, so you out got the got wazoo. sources. well
0: alex is listening to the maintenance phase podcast right now mm. mm-hmm. and really likes it so i've heard good things about that they kind of like to. debunk a lot of you know health diet culture stuff so amazing well my topic is a bit of a departure from that amazing um it's from the May 18th New Yorker by Robin Weintraub. Uh 38 Down, channel once known for rock and pop videos that now airs mostly reality and comedy shows. Is it VH1 or MTV? MTV.
1: Amazing. I'm talking about
0: MTV. From music videos to reality TV. Oh my everything god. Everything in between. Um but okay before we talk about mtv let's talk about i just want to talk about music videos in general so there was a program called top of the pops in the uk for all of our uk listeners um, (laughs) which this was like in the 70s that would be broadcasted every thursday on bbc one for 30 minutes and it would feature performances of some of the week's best-selling pop music records so it's top of the pop charts got it on november 10th 1975 queen instead of performing live or lip syncing which is what a lot of um like bands would do they aired they made a music video for their song bohemian rhapsody which it's like an iconic video it's kind of what the you know album art look oh. is from but they did that because the song is like so complicated that they were like it's easier to just make this music video and air it, instead of trying to have them like lip sync or perform it perform, live of course so people like went nuts for this music video because they that was like rare at the time. Oh for yeah. bands to do that. And so all of a sudden people are like, Huh, what if we had like an entire TV channel just for music videos? Not just this like, you know, Isn't it funny the how these things
1: start. Mm-hmm.
0: So thanks, Queen. Um, I got most of my information from an article on Smith- SmithsonianMag.com dot com called At forty MTV is officially over the hill by Michelle Delgado. So <laughs> over in america in 1979 warner cable corporation and american express had just created a joint entertainment company venture um they already had the movie channel they had nickelodeon the movie channel was for adults nickelodeon was for kids they were like we need to make a channel for teenagers because we're we have this whole market that we're not tapped into yeah so then that's when the idea for mtv you know a channel for music videos for rock and roll came about and on midnight august 1st 1981 mtv arrived on air cool um the new york Times article announcing the channel said that it would be it would be for quote the big kids the kind that get turned on by the big rock sound and the weird assemblages that make it amazing um fun fact mtv was it was like stationed in new york but the staff had to go over to new jersey to watch the like the first premiere because it only was available in on new jersey cable networks when it first came out mtv because at that time like cable companies had to buy you know access to the channel so they were like no one's gonna watch this except for new jersey new jersey was like we'll take it (laughs) i love it um so it aired on midnight the very first clip ever showed was footage of the apollo 11 moon landing including an why... astronaut oh, right okay planting a flag on the moon with MTV's logo on it they, like, that's you know, hilarious superimposed MTV's logo a voiceover pro- proclaimed ladies and gentlemen rock and roll followed by the bugles video killed the radio star music video that was the first music video that aired on MTV
1: which that is that is so cool
0: that little moon landing clip would play at the top of the hour every hour for the next 5 years so that is why the That astronaut is still the channel symbol today, like the VMAs, the award is an astronaut. That's why the designers who came up with that said, quote, We thought we're like the guys landing on the moon and claiming it. We claim this land for music. Amazing. MTV dedicated 24 hours a day and seven days a week to sharing music videos guided by on screen personalities known as video jockeys or VJs. And this continued for a little over three years before the network changed to a new format in 1984. But when it first came out, it was literally just like, you know, music, music videos over and over again. Throughout the 1980s, MTV drafted pop stars, including Cyndi Lauper, David Bowie, and Boy George, into ad campaigns urging viewers to demand the channel from their cable operators. And it worked. Cable networks over the next decade expanded to include many more channels, including MTV. So all of a sudden, the the 70s were just a time where where people were like, we want access to all these different channels. So Mm -hmm. cable used to only only be able to get a couple channels, like, in your, you know, town. And then most cable channels expanded to having, like, 70 Amazing. Um, but MTV did have issues. In 1983, David Bowie was promoting his song, Let's Dance, and was doing an interview with VJ Mark Goodman. But instead of promoting his song, he insisted – he instead started asking questions about why MTV featured so few black artists. This is like an iconic interview that he did.
1: Amazing.
0: And this is true. I mean, this has been a, a – Criticism of MTV. They had a lot of excuses as to why they didn't. They said, well, we only show rock and roll music and rock and roll is mostly white men, but that's just not true. That, you know, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to get too far into that. But um, as far as like MTV trivia goes, like one of the first major black artists that they showcased was Michael Jackson and his music video for Thriller. Hmm. um He wasn't the first, like there were other black artists, but he was the first one that they showed a lot. And um, they had a huge viewership for thriller Hmm. i mean the thriller music video is almost like a movie and it's iconic yeah and it also that music video created the market for buying music videos on vhs which is like just so crazy to think about that you would go and like buy you know your music video my
1: friend had um thriller on vhs is how i watched it for the first time amazing um in 1983 the new york times
0: said quote michael jackson finally brought black music to mtv That was in 1983, but then it wasn't until 1988 that MTV finally had a show that centered around Black artists called Yo! MTV Raps. This (laughs) show brought NWA, MC Hammer, Tupac, Sir Mix-A-Lot, and other iconic hip-hop artists to the channel. Host and hip-hop artist Fab Five Freddy told New York Magazine, quote, it felt more interesting and engaging to have you immersed in the world where the music's coming from yo MTV raps put hip hop in every home that helped with the sales that helped with the fan base that helped everything grow um so i guess there there were still issues though with MTV of like most of the people who worked there were white and there's like all these stories about how like they thought certain lyrics were like there was there's a lyric in a rap song that Spells out H E R B, and some woman was like up in arms. She's like, "It's about marijuana," and they're like, "No, that's slang for nerd." But you don't know that because yeah, you're white, and this isn't like your yeah, <laughs> you know, music or whatever. You're not the target audience, hon. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, they did have that that one show, mm-hmm. uh, but their impact on the music industry was huge in the '80s. They made Madonna and Guns and Roses in two stars. But these days, as you've heard people say for a while there's not much music on mtv anymore Mm -hmm. and there really hasn't been since you know we've been born yeah um one of the turning points was in 1990 and 1991 bill clinton was a constant present on mtv and then he later became elected president so Craig Marks, a music editor who would later create co-create an oral documentary about MTV called I Want My MTV, said, quote, once you've helped elect a U.S. president, are you going to go back to playing winger videos? And it's like they realized that they had, you know, a lot of influence. Got it. Um, so that was in 91. And then 1992 was the year the real world came out. So Yeah. Originally, MTV wanted to do a scripted soap opera with teens, but producers Mary Ellis Bunham and John Murray pitched an idea that would be way cheaper. They were like, why don't we get seven teenagers, put them in a New York City loft apartment, and have cameras roll 24-7? And the first season looked way different than, you know, more recent ones did, and NPR... NPR article called Did the Real World Really Kill MTV by Linda Holmes said that the first season, quote, looks like a Ken Burns documentary compared to later seasons and current reality programming. <laughs> long scenes, long conversations. It started out as, as a surprisingly um, contemplative show that contained some of the most candid discussions of sex and race that I'd ever seen on television up to that point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it's true. I mean, there's a lot of... They recently did a reunion of the people from that first season. Wow. And they talked about, like, yeah, that was one of the first times you saw, you know, a black person and a white person having, like, a very candid, honest conversation about race in the U.S. And it's like, young on people, TV. too, which I think right. is really important. Yeah. So they did... New York. Then they had a season in L.A. Then they had a San Francisco season, which ended up being the last year or so of one of the roommate Pedro Zamora's life before he died of AIDS. Um, so the season showed his wedding and his deep and genuine friendship with a much more conservative roommate. Uh, and then mm. sadly, he died shortly after that season. Mm-hmm. Um, the article goes on to say that it was the fifth season of the real world that started relying on more manufactured quote-unquote drama or trashy reality tropes that maybe led to the so-called decline of mtv the article says don't blame the first set of seven strangers if you hate what's on the network now um i don't necessarily agree with that i think like the real world did change television a lot and it you know there were conversations that you weren't you didn't see on TV before. An interesting fact: Karamo from Queer Eye, he was on the Real World back in the day, which is like shocking because he looks exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, that man, like has not <laughs> aged. But he was like the one of the first openly, maybe the first openly gay black men on television. TV. Yeah. And in the show, he has conversations with his roommates who maybe like have never, you know, met a gay person or a gay black person, right? Um. So that was in 1992. And then in 1993, Beavis and Butthead debuted. So Beavis Mm. and Butthead was the first adult, subversive, experimental cartoon of its kind. And it paved the way for other cartoons like Daria, which follows a teen girl as she navigated high school family relationships, politics, race, and more. And I feel like these types of cartoons are what then later led to, like, South Park said they were inspired by Beavis and Butthead. And then you think of, like, BoJack Horseman and other, you know, more recent Like, Bob's Burgers, like, adult – Bob's Burgers isn't as, like, dark, but, like, adult yeah. cartoons right. kind of came from mm-hmm. MTV just creating this programming. Um, from 1995 to 2000, MTV slashed its music programming by 40%, replacing it with animated and reality shows. So this is, like, the MTV I remember Same. growing up watching. Like, yes, there was some music. There was still TRL, but there was also all these reality shows. And cartoons. Um, there was Road Rules, which was a oh spinoff God. of The Real World. Yep. The Ben Stiller show, the Jon Stewart show. So they MTV right. kind of started their careers, um, even though Ben Stiller was, is an EPO baby. But anyways, there was also <laughs> The Challenge, um, which was like a competition show between participants who were on The Real World and Road Rules. And then oh, there was... Oh,
1: yeah. Which
0: still happens today. I mean, it, it's still going on now. And then there was True Life, which was my a God. mini... Drama documentary show. And that was like one of my favorites. I can oh, talk yeah. more about True Life later, but I loved True Life. um And then in 2005, YouTube launched and now people had on demand access to music videos. So MTV focused even more on their non music content, which makes sure. sense. I mean, like yeah. people wanted MTV to stay the same forever, but who would have, you could watch by 2005, you could watch whatever music video you wanted
1: on YouTube at any time. You, and you could replay it as many times as you wanted rather than like having to wait for it to show up on MTV.
0: Right. Um, but there were all these, like, an article I read about when MTV first aired, there was, like, quotes from different now, you know, famous singers or people in bands talking about how they, like, one guy was, like, on vacation with his family when MTV first aired. And he's, like, he spent the entire vacation in the hotel room, like, glued to the TV watching all these music videos. But it's kind of, it's so cool to think about, like, at that time how crazy that was to all of a sudden have access to these music videos. And it was on 24-7. Like, it just seems so cool. Yeah. Um, okay, but yeah, so in 2005, after YouTube came out, that's when MTV started coming out with even more shows. My Super Sweet 16, which followed, wow, you know, yes. basically very spoiled 16-year-olds having, you know, these huge Sweet 16 parties. Jersey Shore. Oh, my God, yeah. 16 and Pregnant. Fun fact, a 2014 study by the National Bureau of Economic Research tied a 5.7 reduction in teen pregnancies to MTV 16 and Pregnant. Because a lot of people said when the show came out, they were like, this is encouraging girls to get pregnant. But no, the study showed that when new episodes aired, there were spikes in internet searches for abortion and birth control, as well as fewer teen pregnancies in areas with high rates of viewership.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I remember watching that show and being, like, horrified what these girls were going through and just, like, how hard it was for them. Right. And it's still going on. That's a great thing. Like, yeah, that's... Teen mom. Well, now
0: it's Teen mom. still exist they're not teens they're like our age um okay in 2011 a show called ridiculousness came onto the scene and some people may say this is the true like this marks the true fall of mtv ridiculousness if you haven't seen it it's kind of like america's funniest home videos but more abrasive less like a little less family friendly um in june 2020 a variety article said that ridiculousness took 113 hours out of a 168 hour stretch of programming. If you go on MTV, it's literally like it's ridiculousness all day and then like with random <sighs> movies peppered in. God. And some shows like reruns of like Catfish or whatever. Yeah. MTV says it's because people aren't tuning into regular TV programming anymore yeah. like they used to. And if they're channel surfing and they want to just throw something on for a bit, ridiculousness is the type of show that works for that because you could just put it on grandma a 10 year old can both enjoy it right um it's basically like a bad version of tiktok on tv it's just like short like consumable funny clips basically um this Smithsonian MAG article claims that you can see this rise and fall of MTV through the Video Music Awards, a.k.a. the VMAs, which is MTV's award show. The Centers are on Music, they have a different one for movies. But mm-hmm. over the four decades of its run, there have been many iconic pop culture moments at the VMAs. Oh, yeah. In 1984, Madonna popped out of a 17-foot-tall cake to perform like a virgin. Mm. In 2001, Britney Spears performed I'm a Slave for You with a yellow Burmese python. Oh my God, iconic. Do you remember? I just remember like watching these. Yes. Like, you know, it was of so course. exciting. Of course. In 2003, Madonna surprised Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera with a mid performance
1: kiss. Yeah. Shocking. That was, you know, life altering.
0: In 2009, Kanye hijacked Taylor Swift's acceptance speech. I, I forgot remember about- watching that my freshman I- year of college, like in our dorms. I forgot that that was watching at the VMAs. Party. Right in 2011, Beyonce had her mid performance pregnancy announcement. Um, and then in 2012, Lady Gaga showed up in her iconic meat suit. Oh, well, yes. Suit. <laughs> but by 2012, VMA viewership plummeted by more than 50% and has continued to plummet since then. And remember, Ridiculous came out in 2011. So by 2012, like you know, it marks when people stopped watching, really, not yeah. because of ridiculousness, but yeah. Um, so will MTV ever go back to centering around music? They've tried to re- reboot MTV Unplugged and TRL, but neither lasted very long. Mm-hmm. In 2016, MTV did a bunch of marketing for a show called Wonderland that promised to um, reput or to recenter music in MTV's brand, but by the next year, it was gone. Though the abandoned Twitter account still lives on, so you can find the Wonderland MTV Twitter account. Um, you can make different arguments about when MTV really started to decline. A lot of people will say it's when they stopped showing music videos. That's like when we were growing up. That's what we heard from the older Mm -hmm. generations. like, oh, MTV doesn't show music videos anymore. Yeah. Um, But I, this is like just my personal, you know, opinion. I think their reality TV shows and cartoons were early markers of popular shows that we see today, like Survivor Mm -hmm. and Big Brother didn't air until 2000 and The Challenge aired in 1998. Yeah, You know, that 100%. was like before any of that. Then like the Kardashians, Real Housewives, like shows that are really popular today, I don't know if they would have been around without MTV's reality. Not not that they were the only channel doing reality shows, but they were one of the ones to do so many. And then like as – at first it was, you know, like a Ken Byrne documentary. Then it became a little more like trashy and mm-hmm. Jersey Shore. But it was still like cha- – like Jersey Shore, I think, changed reality TV
1: forever. Yes, yes. And the story of Jersey Shore is insane. Like – I don't know if anybody knows this, but there's, like, the members of the Jersey Shore House have done podcasts about this. But, like, they would, like, they cast these people through, like, MySpace messages, truly. And it was originally supposed to be on VH1. And then they brought all these people down to the Jersey Shore after they casted them all. It was hard to cast the right people. They finally cast them, bring them out of the Jersey Shore. They paid for everything, but they didn't get paid, like, to be there. Right. And then they left. And the stars didn't hear anything else about it. And then one day, somebody texted, like, I don't know, it wasn't, what's one of the guys' name? Um, Vinny? Polly? Vinny, like pa- Polly D. situation? It's like, you know, Polly D gets a text and is like, dude, you're on MTV. And he, like, goes on and he sees, like, they're starting to promote Jer- what is now called Jersey Shore. They didn't even know the name of it. Um, and they didn't even know it was premiering. Nothing. And it was like, their life changed overnight because of that, you know? He, right. Polly D was, like, DJing at, like, small clubs on Long Island, you know? And then he's suddenly, like, a star.
0: And they were also that was like one of the first reality TV shows that brought the because like the Real World was like new people every season but Jersey Shore it's like they brought them back season two and yes. then you know you kept seeing them yep I still I love Jersey Shore and of I course will watch the reunion episodes yes because
1: I love Snooki's content on TikTok I'm just right I'm here for it
0: yeah um and I also feel like the Real World and True Life were actually like a really good way for people like me. To learn about other types of people before the yes. internet was like yes. what it is today. I mean, I feel like I learned a lot from true life about like things that other people go through that otherwise I wouldn't have known a hundred percent different things that people live with, like Tourettes and and you know, drug addiction,
1: a hundred percent. It really opened my worldview. i I grew up in a very small town, like, I mean, you were in Miami, so but like i my town was like two miles yeah. long. You know, MTV, VH1, those reality type TV shows really opened the world up. Not saying they were all done in good taste. I'm sure, like, you know, some stuff was
0: definitely exploitative, but I feel like it was still groundbreaking at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Some may say that all that stuff is trashy anyways, but I think the MTV was keeping up with the times and was cutting edge in, like, what they realized, like, people wanted to watch, Um, you know, with some of their shows that came out before other shows. Mm-hmm. Like with their, you know, the challenge and real world and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now it just feels like people don't watch TV channels like they used to. I don't like, I do want to watch the Jersey Shore family reunion, but I don't, I'll probably just watch it online. Like, right. I wouldn't watch it on TV. So, yeah, maybe the MTV channel will just continue to become like a TikTok reel, basically, that people can just tune in and put on the background if they want. Yeah. Um, I do kind of miss the days of like old school. Sometimes I miss the days of like old school TV. And, like, just not having everything at your fingertips to stream. True. And, like, finding, you know, watching
1: adults swim and stuff like that. Yeah. I miss, like, I loved MTV so much. And, you know, like you already said, once we started watching MTV, they had already stopped really showing music videos. And that's when, like, On Demand started happening. So all of my friends, we didn't have this, but my friends would have, like, On Demand channels where you could go to the MTV On Demand and they would they had all of the music videos that were in their roster that you could play on demand as well mm-hmm. so like anything that you might have watched on any of their countdown shows you could also stream it it was like if you didn't have a computer you didn't have access to youtube you could still on demand stream certain music videos and the amount of time that me and my friends spent just watching mtv watching music videos or putting the mu- music videos on demand or going on youtube and watching music videos like i still do that now i'm still watching music videos like crazy right and, like, I think one of the first times we hung out, you put on, like, three music videos and we just, like, hung out. There are times when you're like, let's watch the Ariana Grande music video. Like, I right. think there's still, like, a place for that. Yeah. But I think MTV really needs to think about, like, are we about music or are we about reality? It doesn't matter which one. I think they could mm-hmm. do both. They could do one or the other. But they need to streamline it, maybe make it more about, like, TikTok and being online rather than, like, a a television channel. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh,
0: now we're moving into cable anyways, because it's like all of these channels are pulling their stuff from Netflix and Hulu. And it's like, oh, if you want to watch Apple-like shows, you have to subscribe to Apple TV, and then you so have to subscribe to Peacock. So, yeah, like, I don't know. Who it's knows? We're, we're just basically moving back to cable, but you choose, yeah. like, which channels you want. Um, okay, I'm going to end with a quote from Smithsonian Mag. Quote, though MTV is no longer the culture-defining be a myth right? Um, it once was its legacy continues to remain inextricable from pop culture whether the current generation of teenagers tune in or not it's true i agree with
1: that i agree oh now i want to watch music videos it
0: makes me so nostalgic though for like because i also used to remember like i would go sometimes to my cousin's house and my older cousin had a tv in her room and she used to watch like because i was allowed to watch a lot of things but um like my my parents weren't super strict about what I was watching, but I would mm-hmm. you know, our TV was like in a shared space. So I wouldn't oh, there was yeah. a show called Blind Date or something where people would go on dates and I like would never want to watch that at home because people were like kissing and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like I would watch it at my cut like I would sit on her bed and like yes. she would have it playing on her tiny
1: TV that she had in her room. Or like room raiders, like things like right. that. They would be talking about sex and things like that. Like I didn't feel comfortable watching that on the family no, no, television, no. you know. Um, Yeah, because ours was in, like, a common area as well. Um, I remember, like, there'd be, like, a small window of time before, like, my parents got home from work, like, after I got home from school, that Mm -hmm. I could watch things on the TV without being interrupted. I was really (laughs) into The Simpsons show. What was that called? Um, The Simpsons? Ashley and Jessica Simpson. Um, What was it called? the, The Newlyweds with Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was obsessed with that one. Um, but any time that, like, my parents caught me watching MTV, they'd be like, oh, you are too young to watch MTV. And it's like, I'm watching The Newlyweds, which was actually, like, one of the more, like, PG right. reality shows on, like, I can't remember. Was that VH1 or MTV? But either way, it was one of I the more was PG MTV. ones. Right. And that I was one of the wa- – Sorry. Go on. Yeah, go ahead. No, no. no. <laughs> the Newlyweds was, like,
0: one of the first times, like, celebrities did – reality tv and now it's like that's way
1: more common now but and like the iconic is this chicken or is this fish moment with jessica simpson oh because tuna was chicken of the sea yeah so clearly (laughs) scripted but like just so good right
0: speaking of bmi do you remember how back in the day there was like there everyone like was up in arms that like Jessica Simpson was fat, and she is was and is not was not even that that didn't matter. But it's like that's why we're our generation is like we're so effed so up because it was like all these things like she's gained so much weight. Look, like I remember there was like she had a performance and all these like magazine articles came out about her. I'm like she looks amazing. I'm like okay, God,
1: she looks yeah. awesome, and she's you know the the low rise jeans and all of that. Yeah. She and she was like skinny. Like, she was incredibly thin. Yes. Right? What okay. was the show with Paris and Nicole? Is it called? Uh, Simple Life. Simple Life. I don't I, know if that was MTV, but I loved and that That might have been VH1, too. but I loved, I mean, I was watching like Flavor of Love. Right. You know. Um, I love New York. I love New York. The one with Tila Tequila, who is now Bananas. She's gone
0: through something. Yeah. A double shot at love. Yeah. I know, she them. was just a shot at love. It was okay. Ricky and Vicky
1: twins that
0: did a double shot of love, and they were both bisexual. <laughs>
1: Insane. Uh, Good stuff. Fla- <laughs> well, Flavor of Love was, like, one of my all-time faves shows ever. Um, yeah. Charm School, I, love- I think that was VH1. Charm School, yes, that was VH1. But Flavor Flav is now sober, by the way. Good for, Good him. for him. That's awesome. Doing great. Strange yeah. how much I've kept up with him <laughs> over the years. Well,
0: he's had a big impact on you, I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, I miss, like, nostalgic for those times.
1: I know. The Room raiders show is then. traumatizing to me. It made me, like, so worried that someone was going to Room Raid me. <laughs> it was all fake. Zach of course was it on was. It. Of
0: course it was. But actually, was still... a family friend of mine was on Next, and
1: he was trying to be an actor in L.A. It's completely scripted. If you want the tea, there you have it. I didn't realize all of them were scripted. I knew some of mm-hmm. them were, but it, it checks out. It checks out.
0: He didn't even play himself. I mean, he had like a completely different name, and they're like, "Yeah, they tell you exactly what to say." So that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, well, parental control. Anyways, okay, we we can anyway, go on we, and on. We but, can go on and uh, on. Uh, yeah. Let <laughs> us know what your favorite MTV show was. Um, you can talk to us on Twitter at the Good Eve Girls or Instagram at the Good Evening Girls
1: or TikTok at the Good Eve Girls. Come by and uh, say hey. Uh, and until next time, please, please keep curious. We'll be back. We'll be back very soon.
0: Bye-bye. Bye.